Glad you could join us today. We're going to be diving right into our scriptures for this uh, this time together. The topic that we're covering is not a complicated topic in that the truth of it is simple, it's easy to understand, but I will tell you that it's very difficult to follow through on. As a matter of fact, it's actually quite demanding. So even though the truth is simple, the follow through, the living it out, that that's not so simple. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17, we're going to be looking at verse 9. And this is a concept that we find elsewhere in Scripture as well, but it's anchored really well here. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Now, you may not know where the book of Proverbs is. So in the beginning of your Bible, people put a table of contents there in order to be able to help you navigate where things are in the Bible. So you go ahead and use it. And in doing so, you'll become more familiar with where things are. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, um, <clears throat> here's what it says. Whoever would foster love covers up an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. It's pretty straightforward, right? Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for our time together. And I pray, Lord, that as we're looking into your word, and even though there's a simplicity of understanding for us, there's a great deal of complexity in living it out. And so, Lord God, that we would be a people who would live this thing out, uh, who would learn how to press into it more deeply, uh, and, uh, and, Lord, that it would bear fruit within our lives. I ask, Lord, that you would empower us towards that and, and that we would be faithful to you in it, meaning that we would not harden our hearts towards people, that we would soften ourselves in such a way that we're able to follow through and follow you. In your name I pray. Amen. So this is uh, written by a guy by the name of Solomon. Now, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. His name is King Solomon. Uh, he is the son of David. He's considered one of the wisest men who ever lived. Um, and, and so he wrote these proverbs, these sayings, these wisdom gems uh, for his son, or sons, rather. And, and so in doing so, uh, he's communicating truth, that has been practiced, that has borne out, and, and that these are generalities. In other words, uh, these are not things that say, every single time you do this, this will be the outcome. It's generalities. And so in general, as we do these things, these are the outcomes that are borne out. So when we look at this particular proverb, uh, Psalm gives us some words of wisdom with respect to relationships, human relationships. The truth he observed is applicable to all kinds of relationships, whether that be like parent, child, husband, wife, uh, co-workers, uh, and even people amongst uh, friendship groups uh, outside of church and certainly those inside the church. And, and he has these two very simple statements that, that are actually quite profound in themselves. One tells us how to promote love and bind people together. And the other statement tells us how to drive a wedge between people and break relationship. And so the idea here simply is, as it relates to an offense, will we be a people who will bind people together, or will we be a people who will break relationship and, and wedge people apart? That's kind of what's happening here. And so he warns us of the results of certain kinds of behavior, right? The results occur so often uh, in, in life that they become proverbial, meaning that, that the outcome of seeing this behavior happens so frequently that there's a truth 
that comes out of it. And so when A occurs, then B can be expected to follow. That's kind of the math of it. And so as a proverb, this covers just one tiny slice of human behavior. So uh, this is where I say it's critically important for us to understand that, that this, these are generalities. So in general, when you do this, behave this way, you can expect a certain outcome. It's not that you can guarantee that outcome. Does that make sense? So human relationships are a lot more compli uh, complicated than what's bearing out here. There are countless of other elements involved in making and breaking relationships. So this isn't the only thing. But here's one element that we should know about, and specifically within the context of what does it mean when someone sins against you. And in Proverbs here, it tells us, he who pursues love, he who fosters love. And so the idea here is that we're going to seek after love. Right? And so those who seek love, um, there's certain things that they do as an expression of that love being sought out, or at the very least being found. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Love covers over all wrongs. Love covers sin, hate does not. Hatred stirs the pot, it, and love, you could say, puts the lid on the pot. Right? If hate stirs it, love covers it. This is the idea here. And I want you to notice that Real love covers all sins, not just a few, according to this particular proverb. Like Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Not just some wrongs, not just the ones that we feel are most wronged about, but actually all wrongs, regardless of what that wrong is. So there's no limit to the love. I mean, sometimes we live life as if the wrong is able to overwhelm the love instead of the love overwhelming the wrong. And what we know biblically is that love is that greatest expressed uh, covering of things in the text, right? Like sin occurs, love covered the sin, the Jesus's love act towards all of humanity, right? So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, um, that love act covered all that sin. It tells you that love is elevated to something more significant than the sin in terms of what it's capable of. And so sometimes we live as if there's a limit to love instead of recognizing that love actually doesn't have a limit. It knows no boundaries. And that's what makes love so difficult to practice. It's also what it makes it so precious to receive. And it's boundless. And so when we go back to our original text in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, the first part of it, right? So the first statement is, whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Um, in the New Testament, Peter, disciple of Jesus, says it this way in uh, 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, when you look at the, the, the word to cover, and you go back to Strong's Concordance, and you may not be familiar with what that is, but, but it, is a, it is a text that gets used to understand the depth of meaning of words within the Scriptures and where they're found and where they correlate with one another. And so, in, according to Strong's, the idea of covers over a multitude of sins, to cover, to conceal, to hide, to put away, to keep information from others, though it is known and understood. And so, when this term is used in the Scriptures, it's often used in a literal sense. 
uh, covered by clothing. So for example, when Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, uh, they claimed that they were afraid and they were naked and so they hid. And when God was removing them from the garden, one of the things he did is he covered them. He clothed them. He hid their nakedness. He covered their nakedness. They were no longer naked. It's also used in the notion of uh, covering darkness. It could also be used in the sense of concealing information from other people. Psalm 85 verse 2 says it this way, You forgave the inequity. The term inequity there uh, is synonymous with the term sin or uncleanliness. So you forgave the inequity of your people, listen, and covered all their sins. Covered all their sins. In other words, there was a hiding away of the sins so that those sins no longer had power within the relationship. This is also where we read elsewhere where God says, you know, as far as the east is from the west, so I remove your transgressions, right? So the idea here is that it is so far um, or so much dealt with, so covered that it no longer becomes a relational separation between God and man. And so when God forgives sin, he covers it. It is buried from sight. It is hidden away. And Solomon is not speaking about covering up our own sins here. In, in Psalm 32 verse 5, it says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you. You did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you will forgive the guilt from my sin. So when we sin, the pattern there is that we confess it, we go to the Lord with it, because he, like he knows anyway, so there's no point in trying to hide it or dismiss it. But God wants us to acknowledge it in front of him. We confess it, we speak of it in terms that God speaks of it, sin. And so does, does God then remove it at that point? Absolutely, but the sin that's talked about in Proverbs here that we're looking at, Proverbs 17, is not our own personal sin. But what could be said is this, we are never to cover up our sins. We are always to deal with them. We are never to cover up our sins. We are always to deal with them. And in, in the language of the scriptures is that as we confess our sins, we are freed from them. When we conceal our sin, well, we're bound to them. Then. And so it's the idea of freedom within our relationship with the Lord that really starts to be a dramatic thing here. So this particular passage is speaking about covering up the sins of others. In other words, what do you do when someone sins against you? What do you do when someone sins against you? We're to cover up the sins of others. And don't misunderstand, we're not talking about a cover up in terms of covering up a crime or laying uh, to cover or lying to cover up a guilty party. That's not what we're talking about. This isn't a, 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 a conspiracy cover up kind of idea. We're not lying, we're not betraying anything or anybody. So for example, if you witness a murder, you don't cover that up, you, you go to police and you offer the information forward that you have. So that's not what Solomon is talking about here. It's literally the idea of when a brother sins, we quietly confront them. But when confessed and resolved, that sin needn't be mentioned again. So it's covered, right? Like we cover it. The question arises then is, what do you do when you find out about the sin of somebody else? Well, Solomon says to cover it up, to conceal that information from others until that biblical process is being dealt with, right? And has been followed. 
So there's no need. Look, I'm just going to say plainly. There's no need for us to be flapping our gums all over the place about other people's sin. Other people's sin is not coffee shop talk. Other people's sin is not information that we just spread through our social media or to the people around us. This is not what we do. And so if you have that information, conceal it, follow the biblical model of confronting sin. That's what we do. I'll give you some of what I mean. Let's say there's a guy named Fred, right? So Fred sins, you find out about it, and, 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 and the thing to recognize then is that it's not going to edify either Fred or the congregation to learn that he got so mad that he threw a lamp against the wall. Right? Like, it's not going to edify anybody. But he sinned against, you know, the property and all that kind of stuff. So making it known will only humiliate him and probably inflame the situation. So if you find out information, then pray for Fred. And in your private prayer, like do this in your private prayer closet. Don't call up a prayer chain and say, hey, you know, I got this real concern about Brother Fred. But you don't actually have a real concern. You just want to spread the information. Let's avoid that. It doesn't need to be brought up in a public prayer meeting. But you are to go to him. And the love that we have, right, um, needs to be able to cover that sin, meaning that that sin doesn't overwhelm the relationship loved us, right? And so uh, if you do find out about something, don't assume that God wants you to be this person's little policeman and fix the problem, because you might not be. You may have the best of intentions of wanting to help Fred, but you got to be sure that you've earned the right to do so. Like this is done in the context of relationship. So don't just barge into the inner sanctuary of somebody's personal life. Don't send them a private message saying, hey, I know what you did last summer. That's, that's not how this plays out. You may have a very, you may have very few close friends into whose problems you're able to actually inject yourself and be welcome. And, and I would encourage you and even suggest you that biblically, that's the way this works. But not just anybody, not a stranger on the street that you actually don't know. So be careful and be discerning. And Solomon's advice here is also to be quiet. There's no need to proclaim another person's sins all over the place. Divine wisdom would say, cover them up. And so God's word is actually quite clear here. To promote love is to learn to have love cover sin. That's what we do. To promote love is to learn how to have love cover that sin. In other words, in the context of that relationship, if somebody sins against you, does their sin overwhelm the relationship or does your love overwhelm the relationship? Because something's going to win out. And I would suggest to you that more often than not, the reason that relationships break is because sin overwhelms the relationship rather than submitting it to love and allowing love to overwhelm the relationship. I find that time and time again. You know, maybe somebody's let you down, right? You had some, oh, maybe, maybe I've let you down. Maybe you had some expectations of me and I've let you down. Maybe I did something uh, and you feel sinned against. If the relationship is defined on the basis of how I sinned you, our relationship will break. If our relationship is defined by the love of God pouring through you to me, then the relationship can be saved. Now, these are generalities, right? I understand that there's certain circumstances where that may not be the case. 
But as a general rule of thumb, God's word is clear. To promote love, we need to learn to have love cover sin. Now, that's not where this passage ends, right? So the first part of it is those who would foster love cover sin. But there's a second statement here that ends in the negative, but I think we still have positive outcomes from it in terms of our understanding. And that's Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, part B, you could say. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. And so the first part of the proverb tells us the, how to make a relationship, you could say, right? Like love is the response to people's sin, to their poor decisions or, or whatever you want to put in there. Love is the response, and so that builds relationship. That's the first part of that. But this part tells us how to actually break relationships. So if you want to destroy a relationship, this is what you do. Okay, here's the how-to from Proverbs to destroy a relationship. To break the relationship, instead of covering that sin matter, repeat it. Tell everyone about it. They express it to the world around you. If you want to destroy that relationship, instead of approaching it with love, repeat it to everybody you can find. Including to that person over and over and over again, never allowing them to have gotten for any form of forgiveness from you in it. And it's super easy to do. All you got to do is talk about it. You want to wreck a relationship? Go down to the coffee shop. Talk about all the people that have wounded you in your life. I promise you, you're going to wreck those relationships. If that's the goal. The result is that friends are separated. Separated is a term used when uh, Lot is separated from Abram. This is Abraham before he becomes Abraham. He's named Abram. You find it in Genesis chapter 13, verse 9. If you want to read about their account on how that relationship went, but they were separated, they were divided, they were no longer connected. If sin, if the sin was against you, then repeat it to the offending party often, and you will break that relationship. And I, and I see this most notably within marriage relationships, where let's say I did something to Janet, my wife, right? Uh, and I sinned against her in some way, if she just kept bringing it up over and over and over again to the extent that our relationship definition and who I am within the context of relationship is defined by what I did wrong, how long do you think I will be able to sustain life within that relationship? And so when we, the idea of 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7 where it takes, talks about the idea of love keeps no record of wrongs, this is what we're talking about. We don't repeat these things because love overwhelms the sin rather than the sin overwhelming the love. And when love overwhelms the sin, we don't keep record of wrongs, and so we don't repeat these things. We don't have this as the primary conversation we have about whomever because it's no longer relevant. No longer relevant. When someone sins against you and they repent and you've forgiven them, well, then you bury it. You cover it. You remove it in that sense. We don't bring it up ever again. And so much so that I, I can't get past this question. I ask it regularly with people because I ask it regularly of myself and I find it to be so incredibly sobering. It is a, it is a foundational question to our understanding of the concept of love and forgiveness. And it would be this. What if God forgave the way you did? 
What would that look like? Like, what if God kept record of wrongs? What if God's love wasn't patient, wasn't kind? You see where I'm getting at? What if God forgave the way we did? How much trouble would we be in? Right? Because often I hear people justify things, saying, yeah, you know what, I can forgive that person, but I just never want anything to do with it again. Okay. You want nothing to do with that person ever again. Okay. What if God forgave you and me that way? I forgive you, Rob, but I never want anything to do with you again. Do you think that's how God does it? Do you see how it's a sobering question? Then when we talk about love covering things, there's going to be a requirement of forgiveness in there. And in that requirement of forgiveness, we've got to forgive God's way, not our way. In Proverbs 16, 28, it says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. And so if you are aware of the matter, you know, say you heard about Fred throwing the lamp, for example, and you repeat it publicly, you might end up turning a lot of people against Fred. Maybe that's the goal. Maybe you want people on your side and against Fred. And I've got to tell you that it's just not how we're, we're to be wired according to the scriptures. Maybe we say that uh, we've, we've heard some gossip and we repeat it. By doing so, what you need to know is that we could turn husband against wife. We can turn a child against a parent. We could turn a brother of Christ against another brother of Christ. We can turn a boss against the employee or the employee against the boss. You could turn a congregation against a pastor or a pastor against a congregation. A class against a teacher or a friend against a friend. When we hear some gossip and we repeat it, we contribute to the outcome. So what outcomes do you want to see happen in the communication that you have? In the words that you express, what do you want to see as an outcome to it? We can, by merely saying a sentence or two, destroy relationships. That's the idea of separating close friends, of that wedge that it talks about here. Like the tongue is powerful. It's like this little flame of fire, right? It takes a long time to build a house. It takes next to no time to burn it down. James chapter 3, verse 6 says this. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the body, parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. This is what James says about what happens with the tongue and what it can accomplish in the negative, right? I would suggest to you that it, it, it does the opposite in the positive, right? Like the tongue can also build, but most certainly very capable of tearing down. It takes a long time to build relationships, but they too can be destroyed in no time by repeating things that just don't need to be repeated. So ask yourself, does your love cover the sin? Or does the sin overwhelm the love? That's it. That's the simplicity of this thing. And that's the question that we need to be asking ourselves as it relates to this particular passage, whereas those who would pursue love cover sin. Are we people who cover sin? And again, not covering it up, not telling people that it's okay and any of that kind of stuff, but, but legitimately, like, what does it look like for our love 
to encounter sin of other people against us, against others, maybe against the ones we love. And what does it look like for our love to overwhelm that sin rather than have that sin overwhelming our love? And then on top of that, what does it look like in terms of how we communicate it? Are we a person who repeats the sin to others? And then in doing so, creating division between close friends. Covering sin is an expression of love. Allowing sin to overwhelm the love is the opposite of what Jesus calls us into. Our love is supposed to be from him to others. And in doing so, in doing so, we become more like him. Revealing the sin of others and repeating them is the opposite. You catch that? Now, this isn't the same thing as going to others for wisdom. If somebody sins against me and I go to somebody else for wisdom and I say to them very specifically, look, I'm literally just wanting your thoughts on this. I don't want you to talk to anybody else about it. I'm not interested in this being spread around. I I may not even use that person's name who may have sinned against me in, in an effort to make sure that it doesn't get spread around. So it's okay to talk to a person, maybe a couple of people who you know that you can receive good wisdom from. But it's for the purpose on how to deal with it. And these need to be people who move you in the direction of biblical truth that causes you to say, I'm going to cover this with love. That's what I'm going to do. When we do the opposite of that, and we say, do you know what so-and-so did? This is what he did, and I'm so angry about it. What is our outcome in terms of the desired outcome? Do we want someone to come to peace with us or be separated? Scripture calls us into peace, not division. So keep in mind that God covers our sins and Satan is the accuser of the church. Now this is important, okay? If we look at the relationships that we find within the spiritual realm, God covers our sin and the devil repeats our sin. You catch that? God covers our sin. The devil repeats our sin. So we're never more like God than when we cover other people's sin with love. And we're never more like the devil than when we... I'll let you fill in that blank. But he is the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the church. So, very simple. Ready? Be godly. Don't be satanic. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? (laughs) So hard. Be godly. Don't be satanic in our approach. Someone sins against you. Allow the love of God to flow through you and cover that sin. It doesn't mean you don't deal with it. You deal with it. We hold people accountable to it. And we ask them to turn from it. There's absolutely no question about that. But we cover the sin with love. And then when forgiveness exchange takes place, that sin and never comes up again as an offense though it may refer to be referred to later on as an experience that you grew from and that they grew from that part's okay but never as an offense because we are never more like god than when we love and we're never more like the devil than when we accuse who do you want to be like and let's approach life and when people sin against us in that way let's pray together Lord God, thank you so much for our time together and 
Lord, this is a simple truth that you have in your word, but it's so hard for us to follow through on because of the nuances of relationship and emotion and hurt. And, and so, Jesus, I pray that you will help us to be a people who emotionally will grow up a little bit more in this. That we will not be governed by the emotion. We will experience it, but we will not be ruled by it. And that rather, Lord, we will move in the activity, the decision to love somebody enough to talk to them about their sin, how it impacts us, ask them to be reconciled to us rather than be a people who would spread their sin all over the place in order to rally people to us and against them. Lord, may we be like you, not like the devil. In your name I pray. Amen.